All right, we are back with episode 29 of the Clinch Perfect podcast. I'm Ben, and as always, joined by Tom. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, that mate? That was really cheerful. I think your hello, hello is always cheerful. I think people listen, you know, they look forward to it every week. I need to come up with something. There's a bit more, I don't know, it's a bit immature. I need to come up with something a bit more profound. I like it. I like it. Um, we're smack bang in the middle of uh, two pay-per-views recording this anyway, so... Um, we've got plenty to talk about. I'm excited. I, I have a bit of an apology to make to you, actually. Because um, <laughs> we were meant to record last week, and then I kind of just bailed on Ben. But I do have a valid reason. I was just really busy. Well, in fact, we were both busy. We've both been really busy. It's been stressful. We've both been busy. But I was I was, uh, I was, was devastated emotionally by uh, by getting snubbed last week. Um, although, to be fair, most of my picks and bets went terribly wrong this weekend. So it's probably a good thing we didn't record, because I would have just made myself look like an idiot. Yeah, your ratio would have gone down even worse. <laughs> it started out so well, and it had just slowly been, you know, edging back to like a 50-50 shot, which I'll take. If, if I can gamble on, on fights and have fun and end up even money, I'll take that, not going to lie. But we're back, and we're back with the best card of the year. There we go. I've said it. It's done. It's out there. <laughs> I mean, it, it probably is, to be fair. Like, I mean, you just you just complain how, how is Shane Burgos on the main card. But if that's our biggest complaint about this card, that a Burgos and Billy Q fight is on, is on the main card, then, I mean, like, that's an absolute banger. Just, I'm not saying that, you know, they're future title contenders, but that's a that's an absolute firefight. And, like, that's probably the weakest fight on the main card. The fact is followed by Gaethje versus Chandler as well. Like, we just appreciate that there's going to be a lot of hospital trips after There's going to be a lot of blood. There's going to be a lot of blood splashing all over the camera. Probably get some on John Alex's suit. Um, I love it when that happens. Yeah, what it, what actually happened? Because I, I I was kind of you know when you get to that point in the night and it's kind of like you're kind of falling asleep. I mean, it wasn't even late. The car was early, but I, I think DC like touched it with his bloody hand or something. Like Anik was complaining. I think it was either. Anik oh or yeah, Charles. I think oh, who was it that had a really bad cut above their eyebrow? Was it? Um, it was Uzdemir, wasn't it? It was Volkan Uzdemir had a really yeah. bad cut on his eyebrow. I think that was it. Or it might have been the Durayev and Kopilov fight as well because that was bloody. There was a lot of bloody fights this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned Duraev. Duraev and Kopilov, I mean, I didn't expect it to go that way. And I didn't, dare I, well, I mean, he's not chinny, but Duraev went down pretty easily. And Kopilov uh, is... Are we, uh, are we ringing the fraud alert bell for, for Duraev here? There was a lot of hype about this guy going in. And like you say, he didn't really live up to the expectations. Can I make a comparison? He's not quite a Kamzat Shemayev, is he? No, you compare, you know, two guys going in with a load of hype, and obviously the Hamzat level of hype was completely different on a whole other stratosphere. But um, Hamzat lived up to it times ten, and uh, and Derive didn't. Yeah, I mean, before we get ahead of ourselves, we should probably talk about like some of the news. Let's get into the news. Go on. Let's do some news. Let's do some news. Um, UFC two seventy January twenty second is looking absolutely stacked. Um, they've added a couple fights there. That I think. Deserve a mention because they'll probably go under the radar with all the with all the big fights that are going to be on that card. Um, Alexa Grasso against uh, Vivian Araujo is, uh, a, is a very important fight in in that division. That is going to be well. I mean, we kind of don't really rave that much about like female striking battles, but for me, that's insane. Like they're yeah. both really good boxers, and I think Grasso actually got the best hands in the UFC, like on the, the female side. So, but like pure be... technical boxing standpoint, yeah. yeah I mean, you definitely make the argument. I think that's a uh, stylistically is I think that's really exciting because Aruja just kind of never stops walking forward, even if she's getting repeatedly punched in the face. So 
Yeah. And this is the first big, I mean, you could kind of say this is both of their first big tests, really. Did Arusha fight Chikagin? I can't remember. Um, I think she just fought Roxy, didn't she? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, it's right. a right of passage. You have to go through Roxy at some point. Well, speaking of Roxy, Casey O'Neill's fighting Roxanne Melaferi. I think actually on that same card. Yeah, might be. Might be. I, did, I didn't know actually, no, it's not. It's February. She's fighting, she's fighting oh, yeah, February. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's another little fun matchup. And then we've got your boy fighting an, another legit content, like potential future contender in Momsar Ivalev. Do, do, do you want to go ahead and, and speak about Taporia for the next half hour? <laughs> Well, that's right. I mean, you know, I've been hyping up Taporia since the, the dawn of time, but I am a little bit worried about this fight, not going to lie. I'll still be <laughs> picking him to win, of course, but Ivloev is an absolute monster as well. And they're both so good at the same things. Like, they both have insane pressure. They both have really technical striking, and they're both so good at scrambling and so good on the mat. So, I mean, I'm not really sure how that fight's going to go because it, it could go any, any way at all. You know, they could, it could be 15 minutes of, of kickboxing. It could be 15 minutes of scrambling all over the gaff. Um, but I'm really excited for it either way. It's going to be an absolute, um, you know, barn burner. And uh, whoever comes out of that is like clearly the next great prospect, um, you know, with with no dispute in that division. It kind of, uh, the, the comparison I can make is the, it's like the 145 version of Makachev versus Harukian. Like, yeah, I yeah, feel I love like, that. I feel like it's going to be, I mean, I hope it is literally just scrambles because I'm not really interested in seeing them standing a bang because I think Taporia might edge it, but I really want to see how he deals with like Ivloev's fluidity on the ground I mean Tapuri moves so well we saw it with Ryan Hall like he basically mm-hmm. had no respect for Ryan Hall's grappling whatsoever I mean, we all know how good Ryan Hall is um, so it'll be interesting to see how he matches up against someone like Ivloev who is literally elastic girl like the guy's neck just does things that no one yeah. should be able to do <laughs> I think based on how Ivloev gassed in the third rounds against uh, against Hakim Dawadu I think I would probably favour maybe um, Elia to get a late finish, but um, we'll have to make predictions close to the fight. But yeah, we definitely we definitely needed to mention that one. Obviously, this is a, a Taporia stand club on this podcast. So um, another <laughs> another person we stand massively has got a fight as well. Uh, Tom Aspinall's fighting Shamil Abdurakimov on uh, March nineteenth. I think it's just a fight night, not not a pay per view. Um, but sort of following in Chris Dorcas's footsteps there, kind of I think shaping up for those two to match up at some point. That will either be UFC London or they might do it at the end of February from what I've heard. So he's either... I, I, That'd be a crazy main event for, for UFC London. Yeah. I've, I've got re- been reliably informed that they are looking at either a co-main or a main event feature for Tom Aspinall. And yeah, I kind of think Abdurakimov is made for... Uh, who would be, be the main event if he was the co-main? Uh, I guess maybe a Till, if Till comes back then. Or I don't think Till maybe... would be healthy by then. I could see him being the main and Paddy Pimblett being the co-main. Yeah, that would work. Not that yeah. I'm Paddy's biggest fan, but he has, you, know, you can't deny the hype that he has. So um, yeah. if they do a UFC London card, he'll definitely be on the main card, probably co-main. I was going to go with maybe an Arnold Allen just because of where he is in the rankings, but he's not got the name or the star power to headline. Unless he's fighting someone like, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like a, a zombie or someone like that. Oh, oh, stop it. Stop it. You get my juices <laughs> flowing. Um, Shall should we talk about the fights that have just gone this weekend? Um, UFC 267. Uh, it, it always sometimes it feels like in, in the combat sports world that it's just like written in the stars that something's going to happen. And uh, Glover Teixeira winning, winning the belt this weekend was one of those things. I mean, there was just like, a I don't know, a, something in the air as, as they were walking in. All, all week I've been picking Jan Blachowicz and then Last second, I was like, oh my God, Glover's going to win this fight. 
I literally did the exact same as you. I, I all the way, literally passed away and everything like that up until basically the final minute before they walked out. I was fully on board yeah, with the app. just like, I, I thought, just got this tingle that was like, oh my God, Glover's going to do it. But then I realised it's the baby curse. He brought his kid along. Instant, instant regret, man. <laughs> you just know that's going to screw you up. Um, yeah, it, it was a feel-good factor, actually. It kind of... And it's hard as well because you know I didn't really want either guy to lose. I mean, yeah, I, they're both such weird. good dudes. Yeah. Um, but I was just really impressed with how Yam put it all. Well, Yam put it all together in like the the presser and everything. Like he seemed really like calm and relaxed. I I don't want to accuse him of stage fright, but it did kind of feel like when the spotlight got to him, he was a bit like a deer caught in the headlights. Like it felt like you're, you're being nice, like, but um. He shit the bed, yeah. let's be honest. He shit the bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he, yeah. he must have known that's what Glover was going to want to do. And he just, like, froze, basically. Yeah, I mean, Glover literally had his way with him on the map. It's crazy. It felt like we were watching a jiu-jitsu contest, not an MMA fight. Like, he didn't really... I mean, I know Glover's obviously top-heavy and kind of... It, yeah, his, his top pressure is insane, like, Jesus. But, um, no, I completely agree, like... He didn't even put up that much resistance to the takedowns, to be honest. No, I, I thought the same. Like the, it was almost like he kind of just gave up the the minute the minute it hit the mat. It was just like I, I don't know what to do. And yet he'd been speaking the entire week beforehand how he'd been training with the best jujitsu guy in Europe and all this kind of. I was just like, well, that clearly backfired because yeah, I'd go question his legitimacy of his black belt because you just didn't have any answer for it. And obviously Glover is an incredible. Jiu-Jitsu master, like a complete wizard on the map. But yeah, I kind of, I, I was delighted because it was so one-sided, but at the same time, I was like, I kind of wanted an old veteran, like Slugfest. <laughs> I, I, like, I, wanted, like, I love a big guy Slugfest. I'm with you there. <laughs> or like a come from behind submission, you know, like what what Glover did to Thiago Santos, something Covered like that. blood, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, a fair play. It, it did feel it did feel like it was written in the stars, like the whole build up with him and, and Chuck Liddell. Like I loved that. I don't know if you've seen that video of Chuck watching. Um, yeah, loved that celebration. Everything. It's all that nostalgia, that old school vibe. Um, and it's great to see someone who's just like a really nice guy. I mean, they're both really nice guys, obviously. But it's great to see someone like Glover, like finally getting that respect and finally getting that title that's eluded him for so long. I mean, his entire backstory is crazy to to not be able to fight in the UFC because he didn't have a visa. And go away and fight in Brazil for four years and what like it's just insane to then however many years later finally get his hands on that gold plate strap. Yeah, I couldn't have uh, couldn't have summed it up any better myself, mate. Um, like you say, it was just like one of those moments that you just kind of felt it in the air um, as soon as as soon as they walked to the octagon. Uh, before that, we had Piotr Jan, obviously Corey Sanhagen, um, bit of a different sort of scrap, obviously super super technical battle. And, um, you know, Jan did what he always does, kind of took the first round off to get, get all his reads, get all the feints down, and then just took over and, I wouldn't say dominated, but, I mean, he put it on Sandhagen pretty bad. I think he maybe could have got a finish um, if he really went for it. Some of the some of the combinations Jan puts together, um, I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone do some of the combinations he does. There was, I think there was the one where he shook him in, like, the maybe towards the end of the third round, was it, or fourth round, where he had, like, a spinning wheel kick into, like, a a couple of punches straight from that. I, I can't even remember when, when it was. It was so um, just amazed watching it all. But um, yeah, I'm, is, it, is there a better pound-for-pound pound fighter than, than Piotr Jan right now? Pound-for-pound pound fighter? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd argue he's way up there in like the top three or five pound-for-pound. Pound. 
I'd say I can probably think of a few. Well, I can think of a few champions at least. I think the thing against I think the only thing I have against Jan is that he probably hasn't fought the names or finish. Like he probably hasn't got the finishes that you would expect, right? Like I mean, you look at like a an Usman or an Adesanya, like they probably fought a high level of competition. And that's not a knock on Corey Sandhagen, but he's just coming off a contentious loss to TJ Dillashaw, like kind of. I don't know, and then only a few fights before that, he was submitted by Aljamain Sterling. It kind of, I, I actually feel like this fight kind of reevaluated my thinking on Corey Sandhagen and where he's at in his career. Um, less so than it did Jan, because I know Jan's an absolute beast. But it kind of felt like Sandhagen isn't maybe, not necessarily, it sounds harsh, but he's maybe not as good as I thought he was. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's like a, I think he's top five, but I don't think he's ever going to be a, a champion, which may sound like ridiculous. I don't harsh, think anyone but... else is going to be a champion while, while Jan's there. Um, I'd probably put him like fourth pound for pound behind, um, I'd consider Usman, Volk and Adesanya to be sort of the big three. And uh, and I'd probably put Jan fourth. In terms of just like, you know, technical boxing, we just said we just said similar about, about Grasso in the, in the women's. Um, I mean, there can't be anyone better than Jan. The guy's just an absolute beast. And, and he throws with bad intentions as well. Like, I know it's not not every shot's a knockout shot, like you say, he could do with a couple more finishes on his resume. Um, although he did absolutely brutalize both Uriah Faber and Jose Aldo. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just the, the combinations he puts together. I literally I watched the entire fight with my jaw on the floor. I was just stunned. It's his pace as well. He's unrelenting. Like mm-hmm. he'll the, the the first round you probably give to Sandhagen. I actually scored the others for Jan. I think you could probably make an argument for the second, maybe for Sandhagen, but after the, like the first round, it was almost like he was reading your mouth. Yeah, the I think round, I think the, just the first one was was clearly Sandhagen, and then was it the second and fifth were kind of close, but probably Jan, and the third and fourth were very very clearly Jan. I, I think I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, um, yeah, bang on. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I like I said, I've I've almost got no words to describe how much of a monster I think Piotr Jan is. It's just uh, his cardio, everything, his conditioning, but also I feel like the the, the only thing that niggles him or that maybe gets under his skin is that Sterling disqualification. I feel like well, I, I don't know if you I saw this, but the UFC like gave him like the you know the little gem that they give them to what is it a ruby to put in their, their yeah, belt as a title defense. They were basically treating it as if. This was a title defense of an undisputed title. Like, I think the UFC is 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 as fed up with Aljo as most of the fans are. Like, even in the promos, it kind of felt like they were taking the piss out of him a bit. Like in the in the the Jan like promo that introed the card, uh, like they showed that like the really exaggerated bit moments where Aljo kind of fell backwards and rolled his eyes into the back of his head. It did kind of feel like the UFC of themselves also illegitimized Aljo's title um, as much as the fans have. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and to be honest, I think they have valid reason to. Like, he hasn't fought since that fight, understandably yeah. so, for injury. And they've but, stripped other people for less. Yeah, and but his behaviour outside of the cage isn't helping him either. Like, he's almost... Taking he's the almost, out of it. <laughs> yeah, or like, become a heel. Like, I put him in the same category as Colby. It's not entertaining or... Like, it's not, going to, it's not generating eyeballs. It's more annoying than anything else. Although to be um, fair, Colby does generate eyeballs, but no, I know what you're saying. Um, and talking of talking of getting eyeballs on on uh, 
on the fighter. Um, there were two guys that I think are going to have quite a decent amount of eyeballs on them on the on this main card. Um, we won't talk about the heavyweight fight because that was crap. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk about Hamza and uh, Islam Makhachev. Um, I don't want to talk about Makachev actually because he brutalized my boy Dan Hooker. But um, damn, he's good. Uh, who do we who do we think is, is next for Islam? Uh, it's, either, it's the winner of Poirier Oliveira, surely. Because I, I, I mean, I was going to suggest Tony Ferguson, but it sounds like Tony's having a bit of a timeout. And I don't think I, I, I don't think from what Dana was saying, I don't think they kind of want to do that fight. I, I personally think that Makachev deserves a title shot because if you look at past history, Chandler got a, t- a title shot after he again destroyed Dan Hooker. Feels like Dan Hooker is like the gateway to a title shot. Can I take it take it another route? Go. Islam Makhachev is uh, number five now. Um, Chandler and Gaethje are four and two. And sitting at number three is uh, Benny Dariush. Do you and want if, to see a murder in the octagon? I'd, if there's anyone that can have a ridiculously like confusing scramble fest and somehow not get dominated by Islam Makhachev, it's probably Dariush, just saying. Do you not think he's going to get slept? Um, I don't know. Darius' is, is striking has improved so much. I mean, I know sleeping Drakkar close isn't, you know, the, the, the biggest ringing endorsement of his striking because close has, <laughs> has not fought since and is, and is some way off being a contender. But um, yeah, his striking has improved a hell of a lot as he's got sort of later in his UFC career. And I just think it's, I know this, I know I, that it's probably going to happen that it's going to be Islam versus the, the winner of Dustin and, and, um, and, uh, Oliveira, fucking out my mind, went completely blank there. But I just think it's unfair on Dariush. Like he's on this brilliant winning spree. He's had exciting fights. I know the one with Tony wasn't wasn't great, but um, the other fights he's had have all been super exciting fights and super impressive wins. And it just seems like he's not even getting a mention now because he lost to Alex Hernandez. So that's why. Yeah, I have no response to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, it's gonna it's gonna be Islam. Yeah, getting getting a title shot whenever he wants. I think it, Darius should fight the loser of Chandler Gagey, To be honest, I'd like to see Darius Chandler as well. I'd like to see Darius yeah, Chandler. That would be, be fun. fun. Um, and then and then of course we got Hamza as well, who just blew everyone's mind. And obviously we didn't record an episode last week, but if we had, what I was gonna say was, I need to see him do what he did on Saturday and and like up to this point you know with, with all due respect Phillips McKee um Mir Shah obviously a bit of an upgrade on those two but it's to be you know still not an elite competition I hadn't really seen him do it to anyone good enough for me to go okay yeah he's definitely a contender and oh, fucking hell no he, he didn't just beat Lee like the leech he absolutely destroyed him and basically took the piss while he did it zero strikes Zero strikes. How insane is that? Leech literally a fighter go smoked Santiago Pons Nibio. I was gonna say, yeah, this is a ranked guy who just destroyed Pons, who just himself destroyed, well, not destroyed, but won a fun fight against a hot prospect in Baeza. So I know MMA math doesn't work, but if it did, <laughs> like this is this is not a bum, and he made him look like one. It just I, it felt like you know, in like a I don't know. Uh, like a, a predator animal gets like a mouse in between its teeth or something, and is just tossing it to, to like to and fro, like a lion gets like a, I don't know a, a, 
a, a deer, a, like a, a, a little cub or something in its in its mouth, in its jaw, and it's literally just shaking from side to side. That's literally what. Maybe a wolf's a better analogy. Actually, I don't know what nature shows you've been watching, mate, but um, I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Disney man, <laughs> that's all I can think of. But yeah, it just felt like it felt like whatever Li Xingliang was going to try and do on that night, it just wasn't going to work because Kamsat's wrestling is just. On another level, is it? It's not even the wrestling though. It's, it's the physicality. It's, yeah, that's. What I was gonna it, say it's just like the pure brute strength, basically. Yeah, he, it's almost like primal nature to him. Like it, it just takes over. It's it's the Shemayev show. Like the the fact that he ragdolled a experienced veteran who's had like what sixteen plus fights, and like, coming off the biggest win of his career. It's absolute, and he's coming off like Kamzat literally had COVID really badly. We haven't seen him in over a year. To go in and do that, I was blown away. Like I, I'm, I almost it sounds crazy, but to me, it almost felt like a debut. I know he's already had three fights, but it literally felt like going into that fight. I was thinking, wow, if Kamzat is even like slightly off the pace here, Leech is just going to completely take him apart. I mean, you messaged me saying, I thought Leach had a chance. I was completely yeah. in the same well, camp. Well, because of the COVID as well, I was like, you know, Leach is such an experienced guy. But you can just, you know, not necessarily keep it standing, but make it scrappy, get up a couple of times, you know, make Hamza have to take him down several times. By the third round, if there are any lingering effects of that COVID, he's going to be struggling. But um, yeah, like you say, it just, it just didn't matter. Like none of that shit mattered. He, did, he picked him up. He went over and had a word with Dana. Which is hilarious, I mean, I, by the way. I feel like he could have finished him sooner if he wanted to. And, and you know, like I, I know what you're trying to say, you know, about the debut thing. It's like, it kind of feels like this was the birth, really. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. um, <laughs> the previous fights were the conception and uh, and this was the birth. Like it's just absolutely crazy what he did. And um, and I was looking up the rankings that you know who who can we pair him off next with who can we chat about on the podcast as the next opponent and every person I went above him on the rankings I was going oh he's just going to destroy them he's just going to destroy them he's just going to just and it wasn't until I got to like the top four or five guys like Luke and Burns that I was like okay that fight makes sense I think Burns is the perfect answer because he's fought a striker in Li Jing and Liang essentially completely destroyed him Burns has got really good jiu-jitsu, is a solid wrestler has some decent stand-up. So I think yeah, he's got a bit power. More, he's, he poses a more well-rounded threat, let's mm-hmm. say. And um, but also, the reason I don't think it should be Luke is because I think that's unfair on Luke. Not that I'm saying Hamzat would definitely beat Luke, but I think Luke should be next in line for a title shot. So I don't think it would be fair to make him fight what is Hamzat ranked like 10th or 11th. Um, and, and not only the 10th or 11th ranked guy, a 10th or 11th ranked guy that could well destroy him and ruin his rank. Um, I think that would be unfair on Luke, whereas... Burns, you look at, has just been smoked by Usman the fight before last, and then had that, you know, let's be honest, boring decision win against Wonderboy. Um, I think he's the one that sort of needs to prove himself more than Luke does. If I were the UFC, I would do Vicente Luke versus Nate Diaz, and I would do Hamzat versus either Burns or maybe a Neil Magny, or maybe even a Chiesa. Well, I think actually Chiesa's match against Brady, isn't he? So that kind of... You are just out for violence tonight, mate. Um, the uh, I think the only other sort of really impressive performance on this card for me was uh, Magomed Ankalaev. And I know Volkan kind of, like kind of what you said about Blahovic, really, he didn't really get out the traps. He looked a bit frozen, um, was just really passive. Uh, Very chinny. But, but Ankalaev, bloody hell, I mean, is there a more technical fighter in, in either the, the light heavyweight or the heavyweight? Like as far as big guys go, he's just so sound everywhere. Uh, yes, Cyril Gann. 
Um, but no, I oh yeah, I did forget one. about I did forget about Cyril. But we'll we'll just <laughs> ignore that and, and move on. Other than other than excluding champions, we'll say that's what I meant. <laughs> uh, no, I I think you're completely right. I think it's I think he's. I saw someone say like, oh, he's like the the, the basic comparisons are always oh, the next Habib. He's like a, a light heavyweight Habib. And I was like, you couldn't be further from like the truth. He's, he's, his, his game plan is, isn't even like the ground game. His striking is oh, just yeah. his, so his, crisp. And his so ground clean. game is elite, but he doesn't even, he's kind of, do you know what? He's kind of like Gaethje in that he has, fan, he is fantastic on the mat, but he, he uses the fact that he's fantastic on the mat to keep it standing so he can beat the fuck out of people. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, the, yeah. the fact that he's good on the mat is just a safety net for him so that he can keep it standing and, and enjoy beating the fuck out of people. Yeah, it's almost like a, a backup tool in his utility belt. Mm-hmm. He just kind of keeps it in his I mean, until he runs into Paul Craig, but um, gloss over that one. I, I think for what I have, what I, what I admire the most actually about that fight was the, the reads that he was making. He was yeah. fainting and he was waiting for Volkov, Volkov, Volkanos to, to, to react and then adjusting his pace in that moment. I, I think there was one combination where he, it was like, a, it might have been a, a check hook and he dropped Ostermit and I thought he could have finished him then, but he kind of like held back and waited and then pounced on him again. And then it was just like almost like a predator instinct, which really, really impressed me. But in terms of, in terms of what's next for him, I mean, I'm looking at the rankings now. And they, I mean, the UFC official rankings, they clearly haven't updated it because Jan's still the champion, but um I mean, Reyes is above him, Santos. I don't want to fight Reyes. Do you know why? Because Reyes, hasn't Reyes been through enough? <laughs> he, he got robbed against John Jones. Then he got his nose smashed in and absolutely crushed by, by Jan. And then uh, that absolutely brutal finish from, from Jiri in which, let's not forget, he fell and like sort of bent his neck over. Do you, know, do you remember he sort of fell like head yeah, first and yeah, his neck yeah. bent the wrong way? Um, let's let's leave Dominic Reyes alone. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm looking at Rakic as, as the perfect next fight. Oh, oh, we've done it! Yeah, bang on. There we go. Because we've had we've had the uh, the sort of you know fighting talk between him and Anthony Smith, but Anthony Smith is uh, he had surgery, didn't he? So he's out until like you know a couple months into next year. And uh, I mean, how fucking long is Rakic going to sit on the sidelines? Well, uh, I'm I don't think Rakic deserves the next shot. I think Yuri deserves it personally, and Yuri's going to get it. Uh, yeah, I saw the, a tweet. the UFC hates people who sit on the sidelines and wait. So you know that's what's going to happen. I saw a tweet from Rakic, which was like, oh, Yuri's been offered like the number one contender fight with me. And I made some inquiries and it turns out that's complete bullshit. So read into that what you will. Ankalai versus Rakic as well is a banger. Although I also think it could be a bit of a snooze fest because I think Rakic might just try and like take him down. There'll be a lot of sprawls. Yeah, well, but like we said, I think Ankalaev has has the wrestling to to you know keep it where he wants it, which I think he would want it standing. Um, although we've seen um, you know, Rakic just oh sorry, yeah, yeah, Rakic destroyed people in the past. Um, God rest Jimmy Manawa's soul. Um <laughs> but, uh, boy, Jimmy, like yeah, that. that's uh, well I didn't want to mention it. That's why I was kind of stuttering as I got to it. Um, my, brain, it. <laughs> my brain was trying to stop myself saying it. But uh yeah, I mean, like you say, you he, he, he looked Ankalaev looked really good and, and Rakic I don't know. I, I I hope it wouldn't be boring, but I kind of it's hard to disagree with you after Rakic's um, last couple of performances. So um, yeah, I think that's that's the only route though. They can't they can't they can't give Reyes to him. Like, come on, give Reyes a break. Give Reyes like the number twelve or thirteen guy. Well, maybe a Santos then. 
I think that's kind of like a quite a good litmus test, isn't it? If you if you think about it, like Glover beat Santos, Jan's obviously fought Santos in the past. Or it wouldn't make not- any sense, but just because it would be funny, we could have Ankalaya versus Johnny Walker. <laughs> I mean, I would pay to see that. That could be pay per view. <laughs> Make it the main event on the on the next pay per view. Um, yeah, should we speak of speak of the next pay per view? Should we should we get into that a little bit? Yes, the better. Well, so we've gone from the best card of the year to the actual best card of the year. <laughs> we've gone from the best card of the year to the best card of the year. Yeah, that's how I like. Oh, it. we've got about Leroy Murphy. Oh yeah, okay. I'll let you wax lyrical about uh, about Leroy before we move on. So before, well, the sensational knockout from Manchester's very own. I was about to message Ben going, oh God, this is going to be a one-sided Makwani Makwani decision because he's just going to out-wrestle him. A wrestle fan, as I like to call it. Murphy just landed the perfectly timed knee. It was it was perfect. It was inch perfect. In fact, I kind of, you know, I actually thought that he'd like, I thought it was illegal at first because it just happened so quickly and I wasn't really paying much attention. And I had to watch on the replays, and I was like, "Oh no, that was like the money shot." Yeah, I mean, Matt he, he, could, he couldn't have timed that any better. That was textbook. He just folded. I mean, have we seen? Have we seen Mac Brown knocked out in in that way? I can't think of it. I can't think of it. Um, I can't, not off the top of my head, but Mac had some crazy fights, so it's possible <laughs> there could be one I'm forgetting. But it was just it just crumbled. It, like, it was almost like the lights just went out instantly. But well, it was did. well. They did perfect. Like, I guess the perfect way to bounce back from that first round, which he then admitted was not was not great. I think there's evidently some some room for improvement there. But when you've got the the stand up ability that the Murphy has, you just don't want to stand. You literally don't want to stand on the feet with him, do you? No, he's he's absolutely insane. Um, well, well, we saw that with Amerikani's game plan. His game plan was, you know, fuck off on my striking with this guy. Yeah, I'm just going to start shooting. <laughs> exactly. But no, it'll be good. I ho- hopefully they'll get him back out for um, UFC London. That'd be cool. I yeah, think he kind of. Good. I think actually he also deserves a bit more of a push. I know people. I'm like just trying to find where he is on uh, on rankingmma.com. They've got him uh, behind Tukagov, who obviously got a, an, an impressive win this weekend as well. Um, looking at guys in front of him. Andre Feely, maybe. Uh, Sadiq Youssef coming off a loss. So there's a couple of guys there that, that, that could make sense to uh, to pair him off with. I think I just think he needs a bit of like a, a bit more love. Like we, we, we kind of wax lyrical about like Leon and, and Darren Till and things like that, but he's undefeated. He and he's smoking people as well. Yeah. yeah like it's yeah. not like he's undefeated grinding out decisions. He's come to the UFC and destroyed people. And he, he's fought like tough opponents as well. Like on his debut, he fought. I can't remember who he fought. Who did he fight on his debut? Oh my I god, know, I can't remember the name of the guy. He's fought Ricardo Ramos as well and destroyed him. Yeah, and uh, you know that was the thing that I found bizarre that Ramos was higher on the card. But then I guess it's because he was fighting Tukagov, um, which again was a weird fight because Tukagov kind of looked a bit chinny. Yeah, fun fight though. I wasn't expecting it to be 15 minutes of striking. I thought Tukov would try and just sit on top of him, but I guess Ramos has that sort of sneaky um, jujitsu, so that's probably probably the right game plan from Tukov to avoid that. But at the same time, it yeah, it did kind of open him up to uh, to some possible defensive deficiencies for the next uh, next opponent to expose. Um, Speaking of uh, deficiencies, shall we uh, move on to the the best card of the year? In fact, I would actually argue it's like probably one of the. It sounds crazy because we've had some absolute stack cards, but like 
I would say this is probably like one of the best in like the past five years. This is one of the best main cards I've ever seen. Um, yeah. I've seen better prelims, and I think the the next pay per view this 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 year, the last one this year, the the Poirier Oliveira one, has the craziest prelims I've ever seen. But I mean, this main card. Let's talk about the prelims first because there's actually a couple errors in those notes there. I got them off uh, off MMA fighting, so sort your shit out, lads. Um, but <laughs> I've got a sure dog up in front of me. Um, opening up straight away, Ode Osborne, who is not the most elite fighter out there but is always in fun fights just had a really fun scrap with Manel Cup and um, CJ Vergara coming off that insane win on Contender Series you're going to have to jog my memory when it comes to Vergara he wasn't I think he was an underdog I think he was a slight underdog going into Contender Series and absolutely smoked a guy in the first round let me just bring it up um, Bruno Mosquita knee to the body 40 seconds um, yes yeah, smoked him yes I do remember nine, nine, two, and one. He was a Fury yes. FC champ, and um, he his last five wins are all by knockout. So I mean, this guy is just absolutely smoking people, and um, and I think he might catch Osborne because Osborne is quite chinny. Oh yeah, of course, because he fought Bruno Correa, who we thought would I actually picked it against. Yes, and obviously Osborne has split his last two. Also lost to Brian Kelleher. Um, yeah, this is a fun, that is a fun little flyweight fight. I, don't I mean, flyweights are always fun, let's be honest. But um, yeah, I can see someone getting slapped probably early in this fight. And then what do we have after that? After that, we have one of the one of the next up and coming hype trains, Malsik Bagdasarian. Um, he's got Bruno Souza stepping in on short notice for TJ Laramie, and um, can't say I know too much about Souza from his time in LFA. Um, not not a regular LFA watcher, but um, I think we're we're all looking for another highlight from Bagdasarian, really, aren't we? Yeah, the the guy's money. Like if, I, if I'm the UFC, I just start like throwing, not cannon fodder, but I start building a bit more hype and start giving him some some easier some easy fights. I think I think the the short notice replacement. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with it because sometimes when fighters get short notice replacements, they kind of they just decision them. It can, yeah, like and, and, and also it can do them more harm than than the short notice replacement because the replacement has nothing to lose. Um, yeah, exactly. And and you've watched tape on this guy who you don't end up fighting and your, your head's in a different place like you can't throw you off so it'll be a good way to test how he um how he actually deals with that minor adversity that minor change and see how much well i mean we both think he's really good we love what he did in his last fight like in the battle of prospects so i would i would say this is another battle of prospects but it kind of because it's short notice, it's a bit more acceptable, Dana. You're okay. You've, you've survived this one. <laughs> um, there's there's one fight on this on this prelims. Before we get to you know Ian Gary, Edmund Shabazian, uh, the absolute hot prospects out there, we need to talk about John Vellante against Chris Barnett because there is no way this is not the most hilariously terrible but simultaneously amazing fight in UFC history. As we always say, weather spoons. <laughs> there's nothing better than a heavyweight slugfest between two guys who are durable, have terrible cardio, because that usually results in the third round of just them, like, slapping each other. <laughs> like two walruses fighting yeah. over, like, a little bit of carp. Yeah. I could be, this is, It's a fun fight. There's not a fight on here that I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be a bit naff. Well, that's Which the only one, but it could also be hilariously amazing. It is, it's, I would say it's the drinks fight, right? Like, if you're there in the arena, that's the one you're probably going to go get some drinks. But oh, I will be glued to my TV for this one. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I'm missing a, a, a moment of this fight. Um, I think I'll probably lean Volante just because of experience. 
But I mean, as we saw in in his in his fight with Rothwell, Barnett's a bit wild for for how big the guy is. He throws like spinning wheel kicks and stuff. Like, there's anything could happen in this fight, or it could be so boring it puts us all to sleep. Like, there really is no in between. I don't think. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's just going to be a hilarious slugfest, and may the best man win. And by the best man, I mean the one who has slightly better chin. <laughs> slightly better cardio. The one who doesn't die of cardiac arrest in the third round will win this fight. Exactly. Couldn't have put it better myself. And then, bef- and then after that, we have your boy, Ian Gary. My boy. The boy. The, the future, as he likes to call himself. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, I've been speaking to him all week. He's buzzing with excitement. But he's also getting a massive pop from the UFC and the UFC fans. Well, I was going to say, like, I mean, it tells you exactly what, what they think of the guy that, I mean, this is Madison Square Garden. Like, this is the card to be on. As he said to me, I'm undefeated. I'm signed to the FC. I'm 23, making my debut at MSG. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? I think it's actually almost unheard of that you make your debut at MSG. I mean, well, we say that. There's another guy also making his debut at MSG who we'll talk about later. But yeah, this is... This is the coming out party for Ian Gary. This is this is where he announces himself on the world stage, rocks the mic, and lets everyone know how good he is. I think Jordan Williams is well, basically tailor made for him. We've seen that with like the Mickey Gall fight. Like, I don't think he's I don't think he's very good anywhere. And I think Ian is very good everywhere. And I think I, I'm you know what, I'm actually really excited because I've only obviously having spoke to Ian and he showed me around Sanford virtually and all that kind of thing. I haven't actually seen much of him training. I haven't seen much of like, I mean, I've, I've spoken to Henry Hooft. I've spoken to, to obviously Layla and, and heard of, of all the things he's been doing, but I haven't actually seen this new version of Ian Gary, this Ian Gary 2.0. I'm excited to see what Sanford have done to Ian Gary. Like I, I'll be, I'll be, I, I think we could see a few trips, maybe almost like what Jan did to Sterling, something like that. Um, and I'd be interested to see how Henry Hoof like guides him over the next few years. Like how are they I, I understand from what I understand, they're gonna pace it because obviously welterweight is a is a shark fest right now. I think they're gonna stagger it a bit. I think they're gonna just try and accumulate some more fights. I don't forget the guy's 23. He's had seven fights. He was the Cage Warriors welterweight champion, and now he's in the UFC. How crazy is that? He's had seven fights and he's already making his debut in the UFC. It's just it's nuts. And considering he's so young and everything, like I think this is I really do think we've got a star in the making here. I think Ian can go to the stratosphere. I really do think the sky's the limit for him. I think he's got boundless amounts of potential. He's got so much energy to boot as well. I'm just so excited to see him do his thing. Couldn't agree more. And I'm just gonna leave it at that because there's nothing I can <laughs> add to it to make it any better. Um, head kick knockout, that's what I'm calling. Um, another well, fight on the prelims I'm really looking forward to is uh, is Shabazian and, and Imovov because this feels really make or break for Shabazian for me. Dare I say it? I think Imovov's going to sleep. Well, I want to say that that's the thing is that the two defeats obviously have been the, the obvious flaw in Shabazian's game that is that he can't get up once you get him down. But I feel like Imovov will want to will want to stand and strike with him and maybe that'll play into Edmund's hands a little bit. Like maybe this is the fight he's been waiting for after those two brutal matchups in his last two. I think this is kind of one of those fights that they should have made instead of the Brunson fight. I, I feel like they kind of rushed him a bit too. Well, obviously... It, oh, yeah, they definitely did. <laughs> they kind of thought, oh, we've got like, we've got Ronda Rouse's prodigy. We can use that as a marketing tool. But he was never actually allowed to come out of his shell. Does that make sense? Like he, he kind of... 
I think they threw him into the I think they threw him to the wolves too quickly and they didn't actually allow him to like develop as a fighter properly. I don't know if that's I, I don't know if that's an issue with his management or whatever, but to fight Bronson to lose in the way that he did and then to lose to Hermanson in the way that he did, like it kind of felt like when we were talking about the Hermanson fight, we were saying like this is a ridiculously stupid fight considering he's just come off a mauling from Brunson. And yeah. I, I still think Shabazian's like a decent fighter and everything. I just I, he's I, not I'm had the not chance sure. to develop at a normal pace. Exactly. And I, I, I do think it is slightly unfair on him because he almost shoulders the responsibility of being, you know, Ronda's prodigy who was there for, you know, the Holly Home fight, everything like that. Like the Nunes fights, all that kind of thing. Like Ronda's former sparring partner, all that jazz. I just, I think this is, as you say, a make or break fight for him. And I worry that Imovov might have a bit too much on the feet. Like we saw that in his last fight with Ian Heinish. I think, to be honest, I think if it stays on the feet, I would I would favour Shabazian. Um, my worry would be that Imovov goes, well, why the fuck would I keep it on the feet? Because Imovov is a decent wrestler as well. So, um, yeah, that would be my worry for Shabazian. I think if it stays on the feet, he's actually got a really good chance. And, um, you know, because that, that is where he wants to be. And if it stays on the feet and he loses, like you're suggesting, then that is uh, not a good sign for his future as, uh, you know, a, a big prospect in the UFC. Um after that, we've got Ally Quinta versus Bobby Green. Not going to lie, don't really give a fuck. Um, is, that a got, re, is that a rematch or is it one that was meant to happen? I can't, um, oh, I can't even I remember. It it's been so happen. long since Al fought. Um, I'm just excited for him to be back, man. The press is going to be amazing. I'm excited, but that's got Bobby Green's split decision written all over it. Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, kind of every fight Bobby Green has has split decision written all over it. He is the split decision king. But uh, yeah, the, the the one on the prelims everyone's everyone's going to be talking about is is Alex Pereira, the boy. Well, I say the boy, the man, the, the stone hands himself. What a nickname, by the way. Stone uh, Pokatan, which trans- sounds like a Pokemon. Trans- literally translates as stone hand. And given what he did to Adesanya, sorry, is he? Um, perfectly valid. I mean, yeah, I'm going to get, I know people are going to be like, oh, it's not kickboxing. The dude's had four fights, maybe, no, five fights. He's four and one. He's three and one, he, I think. Is he three and one? Yeah. Or does he have, so he's had, what, four fights, five fights, something like that. Um, Literally slept his last opponent in the LFA fight. Like, he's got granite for fists. Trains with Glover Tixero. So you, you know he's been working on his ground game. I'm telling you right now, it, it, he's going to have like, if he wins this fight, they're just going to try and rush him as fast as they can to that title shot. Yeah, I think because... I think Bisping said on his podcast, three wins. That's that's what he needs. He'll, he need to win this one, like emphatically. And then they'll give him like, you know, a sort of 14, 15 ranked kind of guy. And then they'll, if he wins that, they'll rush him up the ranks into like the top five or six. And then, you know, the storyline's already there. So they don't really need to do much else. Well, I was speaking to my friend JJ, who works for Glory. I mean, I must admit, my kickboxing, I'm, I, I do dabble a bit. I watch Rico, I watch Yamal Bantadik, like all that kind of stuff. I don't really follow the the lighter weight classes, but um, he, we, well, Alex was a light heavyweight champion and a middleweight champion. So he's a champ champ. And that, that is practically unheard of at, in, in kickboxing. So it's kind of cool to see that he's, well, I mean, he's clearly a, a, a crazy good striker. 
I think he's going to smoke Michaelidis, to be honest. I've seen some people doing the, you know, the classic when you get a new prospect is kind of typical MMA fans. We hate new shit and we like to be skeptical and be like, oh, he's going to get, you know, grappled to death. Kind of basically what people said with, with Adesanya when he came to the UFC. Um, but I mean, Michaelidis is, is not good. <laughs> like, I, I know the loss to Bukowskis was kind of controversial, but that and a win over KB Buller, his only fights in the UFC. Before that, he was fighting absolute cans. He's been knocked out in all four of his losses. And, um, you know, the win over KB Buller, not impressive because KB Buller sucks. So with uh, with no due respect whatsoever, I think the guy's going to get smoked. <laughs> I just said the perfect. He's like Andrew Sanchez. <laughs> I, th- I think that's yeah. even disrespectful to Sanchez, mate. Well, it just got released, so I don't know which one's worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he's, it's, again, yeah, they've lined him up, they've fattened the goose, Pereira's just got to deliver. What have we yep, got next? Exactly. Oh, oh, Another got, one of my favourites, Marlon yeah. Chito Vera. The, the slayer of Sean O'Malley himself. Can we call him the sugar slayer or something like that? I feel like he's sugar slayer, that's great. Yeah. Um, I... I'm I'm worried about this fight because I feel like whoever loses, I'm going to be sad. <laughs> like I want Chito to make a run in the division, but I also don't want Frankie to lose what could potentially be his retirement fight in in his you know in his backyard in front of all his people. Um, he's lost what four of his last six, I think, all by knockout. Um, yeah, this this fight has has sadness for me written all over it, no matter what happens. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Marlon's necessarily got the power to put him away. But then I guess it depends, like... Marlon is violent, though. Like, he doesn't have yeah, that one-punch power, but, I'm not but sure. he is violent. I'm not... I'm, I, I just... But then, like, Frankie's really... I, it sounds crazy because obviously he's lost by knockout, but I think Frankie is quite durable. Like, he's got loads of scar tissue and stuff. So unless he's, like... Yeah, but he's also 40 cut, years old. That is true. Oh, man, this sucks. <laughs> I like them both. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, to I be think honest, I, I think I'd lean, I'd lean Cheeto, maybe, maybe by finish. Um, probably decision, like you say, you know, Edgar's a, a vet. Um, but I'd, I'd definitely have to lean Cheeto. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one's on the up, one's on the, the slide. Yeah, and if you look at Cheeto's record, I think Bisping mentioned this on his podcast. He's kind of a mistake and a bad scorecard away from a nine-fight win streak. Like he's won seven of his last nine, and the two losses are Song Yedong, which I think. Everyone thinks Cheeto won that fight, and that was a bad scorecard. And then Jose Aldo, who he lost basically two rounds to one, and the third round he got backpacked for the full five minutes because he made a mistake and gave up his back. So I mean, you know, I know if you know woulda, coulda, shoulda, whatever. But um, I mean, that's you know one mistake against Aldo in the third round, and a very, very controversial loss to, to Song Yudong, away from being on an absolutely crazy nine-fight winning streak with shitloads of finishes. Of course, Bisping would say that, you know, as a... Oh, yeah, I know, they, they changed, trained together with Perillo, but still, he's got a point. <laughs> no, he does. He does. He's bang on the money. And yeah, I agree. The, the song you long... I don't like the word robbery. People throw that around way too much, but... No, it wasn't a robbery, but I think it was a wrong decision. Yeah, definitely the wrong decision. And oh, it's hard, though, because it's like... If, like it, I feel like... If Frankie loses the fight, it's like, as you say, it's just a retirement fight. But if Cheeto loses this fight, it really sets him back. Because I can't yeah. think of... Because then he, if he's lost to Aldo and he's lost to, to Edgar, it's like, is he ever going to really 
make the noise up at the top end of the division. You know what I mean? If he, with, with all due respect to those absolute legend Hall of Famers, if he can't beat them on their downslide, on their you know sort of veteran stage of their career, then he's never going to beat you know the the champs in their prime. Yeah, it is the perfect in a ble- in a way. It's almost like a blessing and a curse. Like you're getting a chance to put a, a legend on your ledger, but it, it's almost like a poison chalice because if you lose you almost have nowhere to go. Uh, well, actually, that kind of leads me on to the next one because <laughs> how do you describe Shane Burgos versus Billy Quarantino other than lots and lots of claret? Probably a hospital trip for both fighters. Yes. I think we could have a situation here where we have to, where Dana has to give out two fight the nights for this and, and for Chandler versus Gaethje. I, I, I agree. I mean, it's almost like the people's co-main event is Burgos versus Quarantillo and then the people's main event is Gaethje versus Chandler, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. And to be honest, as as much as I as I do rate Shane Burgos, I'm a little bit surprised to see he's such a bit, he's like a one to two favorite in this fight. And I know he's fought much better competition than Billy Q, but there's a nagging sort of feeling at the back of my mind that he might be coming back a little too early. Um, that, that fight with Barbosa was in May and I know that's, you know, it's been what five months, it's a fairly long time, but that was a brutal knockout. Like, we don't, that was such a weird knockout. We don't really know what the effects of that were. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you look at who Billy Q's lost to, he lost to Kevin Tucker, who we were really high on. And that's it. And then he was on more like a nine fight win streak. Yeah. Sorry, huge, yeah, huge win streak. Yeah. And, and like I say, not, not great competition. But, um, you know, the, the last time out against Gabriel Benitez looked really good. And while I would put Burgos as a better fighter, nine, you know, nine nights out of 10, so to speak, I, I just worry like that that knockout was uh, was crazy. And, and we don't really know what, you know, exactly what the extent of the damage was for him to have that delayed reaction. And, um, you know, he also had a war with Josh Emmett before that. And I just, I don't know, I feel like maybe I would have taken like a year off if I was Shane. Yeah, I, I think they've rushed him back. I think it's. I think it is. Well, because it's in his hometown as well, isn't it? He's he's a Bronx guy, so. Yeah. And it's not like Billy Q's not going to stop throwing either. Like no, even, Billy Q's going to going to keep coming forward until one of them dies. Like we saw that with the Tucker fight, right? Like I know he lost by decision, but he was still throwing hands. Yeah, it's not going to. Whoever loses this fight is going to have to like be propped up or something. <laughs> yeah to take it out on a stretcher Sean O'Malley style but like with actual damage um, after that I'm not going to give a prediction for that because I mean how can you like this is going to be absolute 15 minutes of mayhem like you say after that we've got what you just called the people's main event Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler um, I feel pretty strongly about about one side of this one what, who do you think is going to win this fight Gaethje because I think leg kicks are going to decide it I think if you look at the tape if you look at like Chandler State, especially, I can't remember who he was fighting, but there was a belt. It was one of the main events for Bellator. I can't. It might have been a pitbull or something. It might have been pitbull. Um, he lost a he lost a TKO by leg kicks, and we all know that Gaethje's leg kicks are the best in the game. Yeah. If it stays standing, I mean, I've seen people come out like some crazy takes online have been like, "Oh, like Chandler hits like a truck." I mean, he does, but he also like he, he doesn't throw combinations. He just throws like single shots. No, he just got that overhand right, which you know, to be fair, like you said, it, it is powerful. Like the, the the Chandler overhand right is is otherworldly powerful. But 
most of the shots Justin Gaethje throws are also otherworldly powerful. And the, uh, the only way to beat Gaethje is volume. Like the, the Justin Poirier fight, he lost because of volume. Yeah, yeah, the Alvarez fight, he lost because of volume. Even even Habib. Well, Habib doesn't count. I don't. I don't. Con- <laughs> I don't. I don't count losses to Habib because it's just like that's what Habib does. So like, if you're no, like, anyone, yeah, you like, if you think about it, the, the, before he got submitted, they were both trading. Like it wasn't like Habib was just standing there and taking shots. Yeah, and we've never really seen that kind of evolution of Khabib striking before. I just don't think that Chandler has the output to trouble him. Unless he catches him with like a, a wing in, like as you say, overhand right. I just don't see the. And then the like again in the wrestling. I just don't think it, I don't think it will go to the max. I think Gaethje's. I think the reason people don't try and take Gaethje down is because Gaethje's got such a solid wrestling base, and he also sets fights up in a way that it's just never going to hit the mat. Yeah, I agree, but for, for a slightly different reason, and that's durability. I think. You know, yeah, Gaethje's been stopped a couple of times, but like you say, that was a, that was a volume, you know, racking up the damage thing rather than a you know a straight, um, you know, the type of thing Chandler's going to throw. And I just I look at these guys from a durability perspective, and we and everyone else on the fucking planet and the two guys themselves expect this to be an all-out war. And in an all-out war, who do I trust more to to survive? Justin Gaethje. Um, you know, then you add in, like you say, the leg kicks, which are absolutely brutal from Gaethje and have been a, a sort of Achilles heel for Chandler in the past. Um, I, I I really feel quite strongly that Gaethje's going to knock him out. Um, I'd say second or third round because I can see Chandler starting fast. But um, yeah. And I think also this, this was mentioned on another podcast I listened to. I don't even remember wh- who said this, but the fact that it's 15 minutes as well, is such a blessing for the fans because it was 25 minutes. There might be a little bit of like, you know, feeling out process where they're both trying to see what's going on. 15 minutes, they're just going to go in there and, and brawl until until one of them gets knocked out. I, I completely agree with everything you said. And I also think if you if you look at that Oliveira fight, and this isn't a knock on Charles Oliveira, but I don't think the punch that Oliveira throws that knocks down Chandler in that instant would drop Gaethje. Well, no, Oliver is not known for elite striking, is he? So well, I, I, the, um, the clip that's going through in my head is the one where Gaethje takes a uppercut from Tony Ferguson. I think it's literally like the end, like it's at the end of the round, and then the the bell sounds. I think, and and he he basically recovers and he's fine. It's almost kind of like the shot that Oliver throws in terms of the intensity and the power. And I, as you say, I think his chin will hold up. And I, I do think the leg kick is going to do damage. I mean, we, we I wouldn't, I, I know Chandler's come out in the press recently and said like, oh, I'm going to throw, like I've got leg kicks too or something. And he said something cringy. It's something, it sounded like a, you know, from a, a preacher's w, gospel A WWE pr- promo? Yeah, just something like, you know, I, I don't really understand this whole Chandler love, I'll be honest. Like, don't get me wrong, he's a really nice guy and everything, but like, he just talks in tropes and semantics. I really, I really like the way he uh, he acted like so classy after the Dan Hooker fight because I love Dan Hooker, and if he'd been a dick, I would have been fuming. But um, no, I kind of, I kind of get what you mean. Yeah, he is, he is a little bit WWE. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think uh, Gage is going to sleep him. I, I do feel quite strongly about this one. This is one of the few, the few fights on this card that I've that I've looked at and, and really strongly in favor of one side. Yeah, I'd say that in the main event. I'd say the co-main event. I'm the co-main event. I have no fucking idea. I I, no. I picked I picked Zhang in in the first fight, and uh, obviously had to eat my words when she got absolutely smoked. But um, I don't know if you heard Bisping saying that he's been told that 
um she had never even done like most of like the basic mma training methods like she's only just been learning like a double leg takedown in like the last six months and i don't know whether that makes me more confident or less confident in in Zhang? Like, I don't know when now should be like, okay, so she now now she knows the basics as well as her raw athleticism and power. She's going to be absolutely unstoppable. Or should we be saying, well, hang on a minute. If she's only just learning that, someone as technical as Rose is just going to piece her up again. I, th- I would probably, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because like my gut is like lean towards the latter, but then I'm also like, well, hang on a second. She also put on an amazing firefight with Joanna, like, if you think about the people she stopped as well, like the fight with Michelle Waterson, like she's been she's training well with uh, with Cejudo, right? Yeah, and that that's that's the intriguing thing. That, for me, that could be a big big thing. I think I think I I would be um, I would not be surprised to see her take this to the mat as much as possible because as as we found out last time, you don't want to stand there in front of Rose in a, in a technical striking battle. Well, I think. Because uh, I, I was watching, I mean, the, the what the minute of that fight, or what was it, 40 seconds or something? It's a perfectly timed shot. She's not out per se, but she's clearly rock. And then she's, well, she's stunned, she, she's done. But I almost feel like, maybe I'm, I'm reading it into it a bit too much, but I almost feel like Yang, maybe, is that Yang? Zhang, maybe overlooked her like it was almost like Whaley was like you know not this not dismissing Rose but maybe she thought her physicality and everything maybe she just thought she could out tougher it because she like her defense her striking defense especially was very very open clearly because she got head kicked out of nowhere and it it was a perfectly timed shot and obviously yeah. Rose trains with Trevor Whitman but I don't know if that's gonna like it's a five round fight. I don't think that's I don't think the same thing's gonna happen. To me, it almost feels like the it almost feels like a repeat of the the Andrage Lamunas two. I think we could see two things. I think we could either see Rose put on a clinic for five rounds and maybe a late stoppage, or we could see Yang with her, you know, new and improved wrestling and her pure physicality just beasting her and smashing her up and yeah. doing some ground. I, I think the, the Andrade route is is the route to take if you're Zhang Weili. You know, um I'm not saying she's gonna gonna finish her by slamming her on her head. That seems like a bit of a, a bit of a one in a million thing. But um definitely like you say that raw physicality. Like if she can get her down, get you know, get top position and just pound her, then then I, I could see maybe a ground and pound finish here. Um I think I, I think I'm I'm leaning Zhang Weili. I think I'm leaning Zhang Weili. But I was Pretty strongly in favor of her last time, but she got smoked. So don't listen to me on this one. Well, it just shows how tough it is, though. Because you, has Zhang made the right? Has she has she made the increments changes in such that short space of time since their first fight? Yeah. Or is Rose has Rose simply got a number? It's just one of those you don't know. Like, I think it'll, it'll literally come down to who is the more technical fighter, more than anything. And I, I, I'm leaning towards Rose because I just think I, I think she's got her read on her. I think she, I think she. Well, I mean, Rose reads games really well, and I think she kind of pick up on her tells and her cells. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with Rose. But again, I picked the I picked their last fight completely wrong because I thought Zhang would just smash it to pieces. <laughs> 
All right, and then uh, and then I'm pretty sure I know what your prediction is for the main event. Kamara Usman. Stoppage. Second or third round. The thing I don't, I, I, the thing I struggle with here, making a prediction on this is, we've not seen anything from Colby. Like we're not, like, do you know what I mean? At the Woodley fight, meh, whatever. Kind of, you know, the, the, the only win since beating Usman is a guy who now has "I love Jake Paul" tattooed on his fucking hand. Like, <laughs> we, we don't know what Colby's been doing. Like, you know, maybe he's gotten fifty times better, like Usman has, but it's hard to imagine that's the case when Usman's been doing it in the octagon with the other best fighters in the division and smoking them. Um, I I mean I won't be betting on this fight because Usman's too strong of a favorite for my liking, and I I can't bring myself to bet on on Colby when we have we have no fucking idea what he's been doing for the last eighteen months. But um, yeah, I I think it might be closer than maybe you think, but I would have to lean Usman as well. I just it, it was when I was speaking to Bisping on Tuesday, I was saying to him like, you know, Usman's fought three times since they last fought. Yeah, Colby's fought the once. Colby beat a Woodley who Usman had smashed up the fight before. Like it, it, it. I don't know. I just, I, I think, and I know Colby's, Colby's now training at MMA Masters, but it's Whitman, man. And Usman's striking is just so much better than it was when they fought the first time. So I yeah, just, that's I just, the thing. Is it is we know is a known entity. We know Usman has improved a lot. Um, I think for Colby to have any chance, he has to he has to wrestle and win at the wrestling, obviously. But we don't even know if that's possible because as great as he is, Usman's you know an absolute beast there as well. So um, you know what? Just to be different, just just to say fuck you, I'll um, I'll go Colby by decision, a wrestle heavy decision. <laughs> but I think I was I would, if, if I was if I was betting my life on it, I'd be picking a Usman finish. Yeah, I, I just I think it's kind of written in the stars. Like Donald Trump Jr. is going to be there. Eric Eric Trump's going to be there. Like a, a whole contingent of Trump's going to be there to see their boy get smashed to smithereens by the Nigerian nightmare. And, and to be honest, I think I just think like the coaches that Usman's got around him. Like I know he was also trading a bit with Henry Hooft and going to Stanford to do some wrestling like early in the camp. So it's not like he's just forgotten the wrestling. It's just that he's also got dynamite in his hands. Like I just think he's like what he did to I, I still can't get over what he did to Masvidal. Like he completely shut down Masvidal in their first fight and then the, the in their rematch. This is the other thing as well. We've seen Usman in rematches. Yeah. I don't know that it's a bit different again, like I said, known Masvidal entity. Before. We know what we're gonna get from Usman. We have no idea what we're gonna get from Colby. And even in the, even in, like I don't know if you've been watching Embedded, but even in that, I'm like, to me, it just seems like like Colby's just. I don't. I didn't feel like he was. I don't feel like he's as confident this time as he was the first time. Therefore, and obviously, you're not going to be like you're going to be standing across a guy who broke your jaw. Yeah, that's going to play into your mind no matter what you think because when you well, no matter how many times he he tells us and tells himself that he didn't break it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Like, but I'll tell you what, he's really good at selling because somehow he's talked himself into a title shot. I mean, have one fight against the washed up Woodley. Like, well, because the last one was was a you know fight of the year candidate. The year. But um, yeah, I, I think I would lean Usman as well. But no, fuck it. I'm gonna say Colby decision. Colby's gonna wrestle him to a decision. Not actually gonna happen. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say against the guy with a hundred percent takedown defense. <laughs> Shall we um shall we wrap it up? And what's next week? Is it is that the Max Holloway and, and Yaya Rodriguez card next week? Yes, it is. It is. Oh, 
Well, I'll be looking forward to that. We won't have an episode next week because I will be in Rome on holiday, eating lots of pizza and drinking lots of wine. But um, I will be looking forward to that card. (laughs) It's been long overdue, mate. Long overdue. Is that to make up for the uh, Council America trip? No, I'm going to the States a couple of weeks after that as well. Um, I've basically got all these holiday days from work that I need to use by the end of the year. So I was like, okay, fine. If you tell me to use them, I'll use them. And uh, I'm away for like the entirety of November. Very nice too. Yeah, to be fair, I have the same. I have so many days. I need to, I've, I've got like 17 days holiday. I need to start using. <laughs> Christmas done? off, mate. That sounds like a Christmas off. Yeah, we're done. We're done. We'll uh, we'll come back, what is it, two weeks from now and, and find out that all, all our predictions were terrible. <laughs> when Yair Rodriguez lands a spinning back fist on my collar. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs>